Thank you very much, David. Well, I'm going to ask Robert to come up and uh, join me at the front, and uh, I'll introduce Robert as he comes. And as you may see, we've erected a little bit more staging so that those who are at the back uh, don't feel left out. So, Robert, uh, I was going to ask you to sign a disclaimer before you get up, but it seems yeah. safe enough, so I'll get up to I think, no, 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 don't talk about insurance. Thank you for agreeing to tell us a bit about your story. And I should say to those who haven't been at an evening like this, this isn't an evening just about an individual. It's an opportunity to see what God is doing in one another's lives and, and maybe to encourage us to uh, do more of that kind of sharing as we uh, grow together as a body. But Robert, all I am saying about you is your first name. Tell us a bit more about yourself, please. Okay. Well, first of all, can I say thank you uh, for the invitation to share my story and uh, all the support you've been to me in the last few weeks as we've thought about it. But who am I? Well, um, if you are new in Windsor or you come to Windsor but you've never engaged with me, my name is Robert Walsh and um, I'm a member of uh, the family of, of God that meets here and gathers here in Windsor um, week by week. I, I work as a full-time lecturer in Belfast Metropolitan College and uh, my subject area is computing and I'm also the course director for a course that's validated through Ulster University in computing business and multimedia. And alongside that, if that's not enough, I'm uh, contracted to CCA uh, as a specialist in ICT and computing. And with CCA, I hold the roles of principal examiner and assistant principal moderator for GCSE and for A-level. Hmm, scary. Well, I know some people are doing exams at the minute, but we'll, we'll just uh, park that subject for now. <laughs> Press rewind. Uh, Robert, let's go back to your earliest experience of Christianity. Tell us a bit about that. Okay. I suppose the key date that is in my mind and will ever be fixed in my mind is the 13th of December, 1967, uh, because that date is the catalyst uh, that clearly has dictated many happenings and many circumstances in my life. And why is the 13th of December 1967 important? Well, I came home from school, found um, two ladies uh, sitting in our kitchen, and they were from the Faith Mission. And that afternoon before they left our home, they had and encouraged my mother, um, my three sisters, and myself uh, to, to kneel down and to ask Jesus into our hearts. Um, and for me, I have to say, as a, a naive 10-year-old boy, I am not really sure that I understood what I did. But it seemed to be the right thing to do, and I repeated the, the prayer, and I was duly announced to be a Christian. However, through, I would say, 27 years after that, I attempted 
I attempted to be a Christian. And reflecting on, on those years, I have to say that from my perspective, you might not want to fully agree with what I'm saying, but from my perspective, it seemed that I simply adopted a set of learned behaviors. I guess an easier way of putting it is that I was simply Christianized. Well, we'll maybe come back to that, Robert, but uh, you talked about the, your work at Belfast Metropolitan. Now, I know you didn't go straight from school to there. You were involved yeah. in Christian work quite a bit. So tell us a bit about how that started and, and that journey. Okay, so in, in, in September 1977, I uh, applied and was accepted into the Faith Mission Bible College, and I went to Ed Edinburgh to study uh, with the Faith Mission. While I was in Edinburgh, I met my ex-wife, Linda, and in 1979, we actually got married. And then in the October of, of 1979, I entered into the Whitfield College uh, of the Bible, uh, where I undertook another two years of uh, Bible study. And I was taking those two years of Bible study in order for my wife and I to emigrate to Vancouver in Canada in order to establish uh, a free Presbyterian witness in that city. Uh, however, some things don't always work out as they seem, but in late August 1981, uh, after a meeting with Dr. Paisley in what used to be the Red Rooster on the Craig Road, uh, I discovered that I was going to Liverpool. I discovered that I was going to be uh, the pastor of a church in Liverpool called the Protestant uh, Reformers. And two days after that meeting with, uh, with Dr. Paisley, I was standing in Liverpool Airport waiting for someone to come up and say, are you Robert Walsh? And then later that, the week after that, I returned back to my home, which was down in County Down, and we put what belongings we could into our car, and we set sail uh, for, for Liverpool. Uh, and I was in Liverpool right up to 1982, and then in September 1982, I was back here again permanently in, in Northern Ireland, and in September 1982, I commenced four years of theological studies in the, uh, for, the, for the ministry of the Free Presbyterian church. And in 1984, I was two years in as a student, I was placed in a church in South Armagh called Tully Vallon Free Presbyterian Church. And then in 1986, when I had completed my degree, I uh, was ordained the minister of, of that church. 1994 saw me moving from South Armagh to uh, North Belfast, and I became the minister of Newton Abbey Free Presbyterian Church, and I also became the director of the Newton Abbey Independent Christian School. But down through those years of working in church, I have to say that I did acknowledge that God was a God of love, but mistakenly I believed that God was a God to be feared. And that sense of Fearing God became the greatest debilitating characteristic of my life. 
27 exhausting years of fearing God ended with me suffering a complete breakdown. And for three years, I descended really into the depths of depression. And as I descended into the depths of depression, I actually believed that, that God was punishing me because I had failed to meet the standard. And finding myself uh, unable to function, having no job, failing to be able to provide for my family. The only solution at that time that I could see was that I should end my life. And on two occasions, I tried to take my own life, but God in his mercy kept me from doing that. After spending that back then five months in a mental hospital, I came out of the hospital. I resigned uh, from the Free Presbyterian Ministry. And in many ways, I knew that that was not only the end of my ministry, but that I was done with church and that I was going to become whoever I really wanted to be. Robert, that obviously raises, I'm sure, loads of questions for so many of us. There's not an opportunity for questions no. tonight, but uh, you have said that you're open to chat to folks. So yeah. If, yeah. if it does raise further mm. questions, then uh, Robert is willing to address them. But tell us what happened after that breakdown and, and your departure from uh, your role in the church. Okay. Well, in 1997, just before I resigned, um, the conclusion of an independent psychiatrist that was, that was appointed by my employer to assess my state of mind indicated that I was and would remain mentally disturbed in the immediate term and in the future be totally dependent on antidepressants and be unable to hold down a job. So that was a very, very devastating report and it was devastating for me. However, I suppose I never let things always take me right down. Strength of character, I guess. Uh, the sense of needing to provide for my family, for my children, uh, meant that I decided that I was going to overcome that report and I was going to get better. So initially, I. I started volunteering in family books, no longer there in Belfast, but I started volunteering. And then in 2001, uh, I was successful in obtaining a, a full-time uh, lecturing post in Belfast, which was the Belfast Institute then, teaching A-level ICT. And while things were improving, I was getting better, I was um, proving the report to be actually not correct. Uh, and while things were getting better in my work life, I have to say that my private life was descending into the depths of very serious sinful behavior. And I could sit here tonight and I could justify my sinful life. And I could justify it by saying that when I was 11 year old boy, I was abused by my teacher for four years when I was in school. 
I could blame my sinful behavior on my mental state, and I could say that it really wasn't my fault. I was passing through very, very difficult experiences. I could say that I fell into bad company. But if I was to make you believe any of those things tonight, then I simply would be making you believe a lie. Because none of those reasons are the reason why I got caught up in same-sex activity. Nobody made me do anything that I've done. I wasn't born that way. I don't believe that at all. Um, despite all the revisionism uh, that is going on in society and even within some church circles, I simply went out into life in order to do something that I just determined I was going to do. And I, and I enjoyed, I have to say, I participated happily in that lifestyle because as the psalmist says in Psalm 51 verse 5, I was brought forth in a state of wickedness. In sin my mother conceived me and from my beginning I too was sinful. And Jeremiah leaves us in no doubt when he says, in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. And tonight I have to confess, we all have to confess that I am a sinner. I was born a sinner. And sin is something that is, it's very ugly. And oftentimes, the subsequent activities associated with sin can be very, very devastating. And I have to say that sin has had a, a really devastating impact upon my life. It led me into living an immoral lifestyle, into activity that is not very wholesome. And due to the irresponsible way in which I was living, uh, my behavior meant that I ended up being divorced. Did I enjoy my sin? I have to say I did. Someone once said that sin will take you further than you want to go, and it will detain you longer than you want to stay. And can I say tonight, no one sin is any worse than any other sin. People struggle with all types of issues, with all types of sin. But the good news tonight is that, is that God can save them and God can redeem them. We're, we're living in a very, very broken world. Many, many broken people. And people hide behind cloaks of secrecy. And I could continue to hide behind the cloak of secrecy if I wanted to. But the reason why I'm not hiding the things that have happened in my life is that since I came to faith, I have realized the importance of helping others who struggle with 
situations in their life that are very, very difficult. Many believers, let's not be afraid to say it, many believers have many issues in their lives. They struggle with things like pornography. They struggle with same-sex activity. They perhaps are unfaithful to their husband or to their wife. They may be experiencing domestic violence. And the list, the list is endless. It can go on and on. And, and the, the sad thing is they're afraid to talk to anyone about it. They're afraid to tell anyone because they're convinced of something. And they're convinced that they're going to be judged. They're convinced that they're going to be rejected by other believers. And that's a terrible fear for any believer to live with. However, let me tell you that since I have come to faith, and since I have told people about what has happened in my life, I have found nothing but love, compassion, and support. People have been there for me to help me on my journey. Robert, thank you so much. You've opened your heart. You've told us the stuff that's there. You've used an intriguing phrase, since I came to faith. And we're going to come back to that. As we carry on with this story, I hope that's our response to what we're hearing, that we are recognizing God's goodness uh, and His grace in our lives. And Robert, there's so much, I suppose, of our reaction to our own sin perhaps, but particularly other people's sin that causes us to shrink back, to think, well, I'm maybe doing slightly better than the other person. But the wonderful thing I think about that hymn, that song, and God's goodness expressed in that is he doesn't discriminate. He has compassion on all that he has made. And I, I'd like to know just uh, how you began to experience God's grace in this way, because you, you've told us a story here which uh, is difficult to get the head around. You know, you've been in ministry in three churches, and then you find faith, or faith find you. Tell us. Yeah, um, it is a difficult story, um, but I guess it's my story, and it's how I have come to deal with all that's gone on in my life. But finding and, and, I suppose, experiencing God's grace, and that's the most wonderful thing that I want to talk about, and it is the most important thing in my life, is the grace of God. But finding God's grace and experiencing it um, revolves around people in my life and people that God has brought into my life. And the most important people that God has brought into my life are my three children. They are so, so important to me because it is my children who have been key in revealing and making known the grace of God to me. They are the closest people that I have in my life and they are the people who showed me God's grace. 
In their, in their teenage years, you know, they witnessed their parents getting divorced. They saw their dad descend into a, a very, very sinful lifestyle. But even through all those difficulties, my children continued to surround me in love. That's the most wonderful thing about it. I have never, ever heard my children actively criticize me or actively judge me for what I did. Instead, I have known and I've heard testimony of how through all those days and all those years, they have prayed for me and prayed that God would work in my life. And my daughter Victoria is sitting tonight in the congregation. Thank you, Victoria. You are special. But not only have my children been key, when I moved to live in Newton Abbey, God brought a couple into my life that have had such an amazing impact upon me. And that couple, they can't be with us tonight because they're away on a little break down south, but they are called Reuben and Carol Kirkland. Quite an extraordinary pair if you met them. But when they came into my life in 1994, uh, through me moving with the church, um, I never believed that this couple would be of the caliber that they turned out to be. Because in 1997, I found myself with no home to live in. And when we as a family had no home to live in, Reuben and Carl Kirkland took the money that they got from um, a robbery that their house had been broken and all their goods were stolen. They took the insurance money and they bought a house and they came round to us and they said, get in the car and come with us. And they took us uh, to this house and they let us live in this house rent free for three years until I got back on my feet. And they really showed me what it meant to be in Christ. And I've been privileged to know that couple and still to have them as friends in, in my life. Another person who has had a huge impact upon me is in the meeting tonight as well. And he's sitting down on this side and it's the Reverend Tom Shaw. Tom Shaw was the first person who ever confronted me about the life I was living. And I will remember that day till the day I die, because I just wanted the ground open. But I remember Tom telling me that he had dealt with many, many things in his ministry, but what he was having to deal with, with me, because we were friends, he found one of the hardest situations to face. But Tom and his wife Mabel have, have remained friends despite whatever, and I'm so glad they're here tonight. James and Agnes Hay, a couple that none of you will probably know, I met in 1997. My father died in 1997, and I was still very much in depression. And so what do you do when you're depressed? I took myself off to Tenerife to just lose myself in, in Tenerife. And in trying to lose myself in Tenerife, I stumbled into a shopping center on a Sunday and ended up in South Tenerife Christian Fellowship. And this couple, James and Agnes Hay, from 
Port Ballantrae were working out there at the time. They listened to my story and they have become wonderful friends who have helped and supported not only me, but my family over, over the years. And they have really, really shown me what God's grace is all about. John and Tricia Patrick, again, they are just names to you. I first met, I met them in Gatwick Airport. They were just two clients. I was going to take them on an eight-day tour to Israel. Uh, but, you know, God in his divine providence works things out that we don't understand because they just weren't two clients. They suddenly became two people who uh, became confidants, two people who I was able to tell something of my life and who, again, have demonstrated to me God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. They've shown me so much of that amazing grace. And tonight, I'm only here because of the amazing grace, not only of God, but of people who are his followers and who show that amazing grace in their lives. It's very humbling. As you think about these individuals who have been showing you love, what about the journey of faith? Okay. How does that weave into your story, Robert? Okay, I suppose I've now moved on till about, it's about 2010, 2011. Um, and the lifestyle that I had bought into, and I had bought into the lifestyle in a really, really big way, uh, but, you know, suddenly it wasn't living up to all that it actually claimed. Relationships didn't last. Um, the party lifestyle at the weekends began to get rather, rather boring. And there was really no sense of fulfillment or achievement. And as I looked around me, I saw my children. They were growing and developing. And they were so happy. They had so many meaningful relationships in their life. And here I was. I was getting older. I'm getting bored. And at night, I used to lie in bed awake. And I used to turn all of this over and over in my mind. And towards the end of, I think it was 2011, it seemed to be that I was really being convicted at night when I lay down in bed. When I went to go to bed, and when I put the light out, suddenly all this stuff started happening in my mind. And I, I knew now that it was the Spirit of God convicting me about my life. But at that time, I really didn't want anything to do with it because Christians were my number one enemy. I absolutely had no time for Christians. They were the target of, of my criticism. And my ever-increasing godless lifestyle was pushing me away further and further from anybody who was a Christian and pushing me further and further away from God. But you know, night after night, I had these thoughts to deal with, and night after night, I would shut out those thoughts. I would shut them out by drinking heavily. I would just get drunk at home, and it was a way of shutting it all out. I'd occupy my mind with, with other things. But I happened to be round at Reuben and Carol's house 
on St. Patrick's Day in 2011. Now, I would have called in and out, but they were doing something, they were out in their shed working, and I just called in to say hello and whatever. But when I walked into the shed, Carol, she just came over to me and she, she put her arms around me and she gave me this great big, big hug. And she said to me, Robert, Reuben and I love you dearly. And we're praying that God's going to change your life. And, do you know, it was strange hearing that from Carol. But maybe it wasn't strange when I realized all that was going on in my mind and how God's Spirit was convicting me. But the Spirit of God speaking to me began to be like a nightly occurrence. And after struggling with them for many, many months, and I had got to the point where I actually was arguing with my own thoughts out loud. So it wasn't anymore just thinking them. I was actually arguing with them. And I would debate and shout and yell about it, you know. And one of the nights, the whole sense of needing to get right with God became so, so critical in my life that I remember that night that I shouted out loud, okay, I give in, and I just lay there, and I went to sleep. But you know, the next morning when I woke up, I actually realized that something had happened because I wasn't the same person that got into that bed that night. I got out of that bed the next morning a different person. But of course, panic set in immediately. What am I going to do? So I decided that, well, I wasn't going to go back on what I'd done, but I was going to become a secret disciple. I thought that I would be a secret disciple. I wouldn't have to tell anybody about it. There are God channels. Don't need to tell anybody about it. And if I don't tell anybody about it, I can still keep all my gay friends and whatnot. But God never lets you away with that, does he? About 10 days after I had made that decision, my son Joshua and his wife Annalise had come over from, from Liverpool and they were visiting. And jo Joshua was, was sitting in the, in the house. It was just, I think it was just really before they left to go back to England. And he said to me, Dad, I've heard there's a church has started in Belfast, and it's very like Mosaic is a church my son went to in Leeds when he was in university. And he said, I think you should check it out. Now, I had told him nothing. Um, but before he left, I made a promise, and I said that I would check it out. And you know, God keeps you to your promises, because the next Sunday morning, I found myself up dressed my Bible in a bag, and because I didn't want anybody to see it, uh, <laughs> and I headed off to the OEA Music Centre, which is down uh, Gordon Street, where Redeemer Central used, used to meet. And walking down Gordon Street, I met two people who welcomed me that morning, me who hadn't been in church for maybe 10 years, they welcomed me that morning with such love and such 
friendship. It was overwhelming. I just felt compelled to go in. And they're here with us tonight, and they're sitting down there. And it's David and Karis Wiley. You all know them in, in, in Windsor. But they were beaming from ear to ear with smiles and welcoming, and they were so glad to, to bring me in. We didn't even know there was a connection at that stage with people that they, they knew about me. But Redeemer Central, for a period of time, helped me back to church because going back to church uh, was very difficult for me and very difficult because of the life that I had been, had been living. But during that time, temptations, the battle with, with feelings, came and they, I began to doubt the experience of God's grace. I began to doubt uh, what had happened in my life and I had thoughts again about, about giving up. And I remember talking it over with Victoria because Victoria used to come on a Sunday and see me and, and chat with me and whatnot. And I remember talking to her about it and she said to me, well, Dad, why don't you just come to Windsor? And I said to her, Windsor? You know, highbrow, whatever, you must be joking, not for me. And she said, you can, no, come to Windsor, I'll sit with you the first Sunday, and then you can make your own friends, and I won't bother you. And that's what she did. But uh, I came to Windsor, and I've been here ever since. I'd only been here a few weeks when I said to David one morning, going out the door, that I would like to meet up with him. And we met up, and I shared my story with him because Belfast's a very small place, and gossip just goes like wildfire. And so um, I wanted to tell him my story. David, I am forever indebted to you because you have been key in keeping me on the way and helping me as I have come on my journey here in Windsor. But in our conversations, we talked about lots of things, and we talked about accountability, that for me it was important, and I think it's good for all Christians to be accountable. And he talked about accountability. And he said he would go away and think about it, and he would think about somebody that maybe would be able to serve in that role. So he came back to me and told me that he had found somebody. And that person is Brian Johnson. And I have to say, Brian, your ability just to listen to me, because I go on, <laughs> and you, you understand me, and you support me, and you, you've been exemplary way beyond the call of duty. I mean, I couldn't have found myself in a better home in this mm. church with, with what God has offered me. But, but let me say this evening, I am not perfect, I am not sinless or anything like that. I face, I face a huge struggle every day. I have lost all of my close friends. I have lost all of my friends. And gay people are very friendly and very endearing. And the sense of hanging out with them any longer is not appropriate because there's just so much temptation there to go back into the lifestyle. So loneliness is something that I do struggle an enormous amount with being lonely, being on, my, being on my own. However, Windsor has been good for me and many people here are really good friends to me and have offered me lots of friendship. 
And I have to say, I see a tremendous amount of God's grace in this uh, body of, of believers. It's, it's tremendous to see how God works in people's lives here and how they share that with others. Robert, it was beginning to sound a little bit like this is your life. You're not getting a red, red book or anything at the end of this. But obviously, your story ties in with a, a wider story here. What do you think are the most important things uh, in your life now? I suppose the most important things in my life now are growing in grace. That's the most important thing. And in order to grow in grace, I spent lots and lots of time reading my Bible. When I was a minister, I hated reading my Bible. I absolutely detested it. I only used it because I had to have something to say on a Sunday. But now I really love reading my Bible. I just love to have it there. And I like reading lots of good theology. And I, I devour books by the dozen. Um, and like reading my Bible and discovering truths like 2 Corinthians 5.21 that says, Christ had no sin, but God made him become sin, so that in Christ I could be right with God. And do, as, do what I was taught to do. Put your worst sin in there and go, God made Christ become, and what's your worst sin? Wow. That just blew my mind when I did that. I remember lying in my bed weeping, just like a child, when I thought how Christ took all of my filthy sin and atoned for it upon the cross. Not only did I find all of those things important, I find journaling. I'm a great person for writing, and I journal all the time, and I find that that's very good for keeping for bringing back how you're progressing and how you're getting over certain things. Keeping short accounts with God, because things do happen in your life and you do need to come to the cross and you need to deal with that. Being honest, mm. being honest about your feelings. I've been honest with David, I've been honest with Brian. They, they, they could stand up here and tell a different story uh, so they could, but being honest about your feelings. Helping others who struggle is very, very important uh, for me. And in relation to helping other people who struggle, I currently am the leader of uh, a group here in Belfast. Uh, the group is organized by True Freedom Trust, and I'm the leader of the Barnabas group. So that's important. Sharing my faith is also very, very important. And Windsor has given me most wonderful opportunities in the discovering Jesus through Asian eyes and through Christianity Explored. That's been, wow, a fantastic way to be able to share, share my faith. But I suppose reflecting upon God's love and mercy revealed to me in the scriptures has enabled me to come to a place in my life where I can truthfully acknowledge without blaming anyone, because I don't want to blame anybody tonight. No matter what has happened in my life, I don't want to lay the blame at anybody's door, and I'm not going to blame God for the circumstances in my life, because I've discovered, as Paul says, I know that God causes 
everything to work together for good. For the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I could go on, but I have to finish. Um, I want to finish by saying to, to anyone who's here tonight in this congregation who is struggling in, the, in, your, in their life, perhaps nobody knows what you're going through. You've kept it all very hidden and very secret. Please, please don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Talk to me about it. I would love to help you. I would love to be God's servant to help you move forward into a better place in your life. That's my biggest regret, that I didn't talk to somebody years ago. This world that we're living in is a very broken world. People are broken, broken physically, mentally, spiritually, sexually, because of sin. And tonight, I have sought to be open. I've sought to be honest. You can deal with all that I've said in, in whatever way you, you want to deal with it. But people struggle with issues, and people struggle with issues similar to those that I have struggled with. You're not alone. I thought I was the only person, but I discovered I'm not alone. Um, God loves you. And despite whatever it is that you have done or whatever you have been involved in, you are not beyond God's grace. The grace of God can reach down, lift you up out of that place you're in. And with this verse, I finish, and that's my story. Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, mm. and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for letting me be part of your, the service. And thank you for letting me be a member of, of Windsor and enjoying the fellowship here in this church. Thank you. Robert, thank you uh, for the way you shared it. You've said a lot, but we have uh, talked through this story and you graciously uh, allowed perhaps another similar amount of material to be just ruthlessly cut out and left out. Uh, but I know that God has been at work in, in lots of details that uh, we don't have time to tell tonight. But we do uh, want to say thank God for you and for your part in this uh, and your openness tonight. And our prayer is that you would know God's blessing richly and be a blessing to others. Thank you.